If you would love to create a transformational and successful coaching business, but you don't know where to start or how to make this a full-time career, then my new certification program, Influential Coach, is for you. There is no other four-month live online mastermind like this. I'm going all in, guns blazing on this one with you to skyrocket your coaching career and personal brand online. You will learn the frameworks I personally use for rapid transformational coaching so you can support your clients to achieve their dreams no matter where they are in life. You will also learn how to authentically brand and market yourself as a coach so you can stand out from the rest and build a career of freedom and fulfillment. Spots are limited and this is an application only program. So if you're serious about finally committing to building a successful career in transformational coaching, then head over to imjoelbrown.com slash coach and apply today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Addicted to Success podcast. I'm your host, Joel Brown, and I'm here today with a very special guest. I'm super pumped to have this guy here. You know, a little over seven years ago, I bought one of his courses called Total Product Blueprint. Wow. Catalyst <laughs> to, to write my first ebook, which by the way, sold over 12,000 copies. Thank Good you very man. much, man. Appreciate that. Wow. And, and, I have, and I have him here today. He's written over six best-selling books. I'm talking New York Times bestseller. He's on the front cover of Success Magazine. Forbes hails him as the world's leading high-performance coach. Man, I, I could go on all day about his credentials and his abilities and the way that he shows up. But I'll let you feel for yourself the power of this man. This is Brendan Bouchard. And if you are feeling like you're in this, maybe a pit of sorrow, maybe you're in a point of struggling to break through, Brendan has overcome depression. He's been able to break through a car accident, some heavy trauma, and he's moved into life with so much power. So if you feel like you are ready to step into your power too and take control of your life, Brendan and I today will be jamming out. Brendan, thank you so much for being here on the Addicted to Success podcast. Joel, I love it, man. And thank you for being here. Thank you for letting me know that uh, you were a student that long ago. It's so cool to see what you're doing and what you're building on your own and, and just uh, the goodness that you show up to put in the world. I'm thank excited to do that together today. Thank you, bro. Yeah, funny story. I was in India, in Kerala, Kanur, in India. And I was staying in this beach house and a coconut tree fell on the power lines and wiped the internet out for a week, right? And I had built addictedtosuccess.com. At the time, we were getting about a million views on the website per month. And I freaked out. I was like, how am I going to update my website? Like all these people are going to be emailing me. And I utilized that time to sit and just really write out my, my ebook. And I had actually done like screen recordings of your videos so that I could listen to them on the plane and everywhere else. So I sat there for a week and just wrote my ebook, pumped it out. I'm so happy that I did that. And Aww. it made me think, how many times do we have the opportunity to, to sit down and actually just get projects done, but we're always just moving forward all the time with one singular thing. You're a very productive person. So yeah. what's your, let's say, what's your, your mindset or your frame of thinking when it comes to producing content to getting projects out there what are you holding your mind right now because a lot of people right now have the opportunity to be productive too in lockdown or quarantine or, or staying in their city where they are because they can't travel uh two things come to mind uh number one time management is a function of gratitude and reverence for life 
Mm. See, I, I was blessed. Like you said, I was in a car accident. So, you know, when I was a 19 year old kid, you know, I'm a little older now, but when I was a 19 year old kid, I had an accident and it threatened my life and just enough to make me realize that life was deeply precious. Um, you know, I had been at that point in depression and suicidal after the breakup of the first one I ever loved and my high school sweetheart. And I fell apart after that breakup. And then unrelated, the accident, car accident happened. And I found myself standing on the hood of this car, looking down at my bloody body and thinking I was gonna pass out and die. And I, I had a moment of connection for me that was a spiritual connection where I just felt this sudden grace, this sudden peace that I was gonna be okay. But it, it forced me to really ask these questions of whether or not I lived and I loved and I mattered. And I really believe that if your life has ever been threatened or you've ever contemplated philosophy or your own mortality, you develop what's called reverence for life. Deep appreciation for the meaning and magic of our time on this planet. And soon as you tap into that level of gratitude, you don't waste time. If time is precious, if life is precious, that shows up in your calendar. It shows up in how you use your days, what you say yes to, what your outputs are, what you're paying attention to. And so for me, how am I, everyone's like, how are you so productive? I'm like, life is short, life is precious. And so what I'm going to do with my time is thoughtful. I'll give you an example. Joel, this is really important. And forgive me for an aside here because some people don't like numbers or maybe, maybe you don't like my spirituality thing. Listen to the numbers for those analytical side folks. <laughs> the average person spends 30 minutes a day consuming uh, just Facebook as an example. Let's just take Facebook as an example. Not mm -hmm. creating, but just consuming random browsing, whether it's Instagram or it's TikTok or whatever you want to call it, 30 minutes. Guess how many days, eight hour work days, 30 minutes is a day throughout the year? I'll cheat and give it to you because it's hard. Yeah, that also, I'm, I'm racking my listen brain Listen to right this, y'all. 30 minutes of browsing on this a day. Yeah. Not, not learning to, not like what we're doing here. People, you're listening, you're learners, you're consuming to develop to get better, right? but 30 minutes of random browsing or random distraction or a random, just like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my day. That equates to 22 eight hour work days a year. Ooh. 22 eight hour work days. So that's almost a whole month gone to browsing and distraction. But guess what? The average person does 90 minutes of that a day. Distracted. Oh unfocused lost time. That's 66 days, three months a year gone. If you only do 30. And if you don't think you do that, everyone set your little timer on Instagram. You can set it, your little setting in there to stop, to give you a notification at 30 minutes. When you do that and it goes off every day, you're like, Oh no, <laughs> I lost a month. <laughs> so to me, time is precious. I have reverence for it. That's number one. Second thing that makes me so productive, is the concept called PQO. If you read my book, High Performance Habits, uh, I learned this from the world's highest performers. So we conducted the world's largest study of those who've achieved long-term success and had the highest rankings of well-being and positive relationships along with it. And when we asked them about productivity, what was their secret, two things came into mind. Um, number one, they work 
typically in 50 minute sprints, every 50 minutes, they take a break. That's really important to their long-term. It's like a pit stop for the mind, refreshes them throughout the day because they had more pit stops. They can go longer in the day. They get more done with mental focus. Second part was PQO. PQO stands for prolific quality output. Uh, you and I were kind of chatting about this in advance, which is you have to do what you know makes a meaningful difference to you, your industry, your, for your customers. Like Mozart's still a legend today because of prolific quality output. The guy put out orchestrations. The guy put out symphonies, right? The Beatles are legendary today because they were prolific. Rihanna, prolific. Beyonce, prolific. Doesn't matter, take any given field, tennis players, whatever. They're prolific, but what's important about is what they're prolific about and what they're prolific, if you will, not about. They're narrow, they're focused, they become world-class in it, and they know what moves the needle. In our industry, like you and me, I knew what in, in the thought leader industry at the time when I got in, what you had to be prolific about at that time was if you had books out and you had online launches out, those two things, that was defining the leaders in our industry. I said, I guess that's what I got to do. That's if I, I love to write, I love to teach. I guess that is the output that matters in this industry. When you know the output that matters in your industry and you give that more time, give distraction less time and operate from a place of gratitude so that you show up every day refreshed, recharged, as dorky and geeky as you and I get about what we get to do because we're excited and grateful for it. Then that enthusiasm makes better output. That better output gets better followings, gets better success. And suddenly everyone's like, how are you doing it? And you're like, I just do what I love. But the reality is you also don't do what you hate. And you also don't do distraction. And so you look like a, mag a magician and so productive. I feel this so much. It's so true. It's so true. It's, it's like we have so much power. We just need to know how to channel and direct it in the right direction and point it like a laser beam into that space. Yeah, I, I heard a saying a little while back. I think I might have read it in a book that fear's favorite food is time. Mm. And to pair with what you were talking about around distraction, that we could literally waste more than three months on distraction, plus you live in fear, the combination yeah. of the two, you're getting nowhere. You're yes. almost wasting maybe six or nine months out of the year and maybe a few months you feel like you're moving forward to some degree. Yeah. But it's a very small fraction of what you could do. Yeah. And you know, always people hear me talk about this, Joel, and they're always like, oh, geez, Brennan is real intense. You know, he's this high performance guy and, 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 you know, works with all these clients and teams and stuff. He must always be like this. I'm like, oh, no. By not giving away those little 30 minutes of blocks a day to either distraction or lack of clarity, because the same thing, right? Distraction or lack of clarity still steals your time. Yeah. What it's allowed me to do is, you know, it's that old saying, discipline buys you freedom. Mm. I end up having more time off for creativity, joys, and hobbies than anybody in my industry's history at our level anyway, that I can even think of. I don't know anyone who has as much freedom built into their life as I have at our level, right? Once you start getting that $10 million plus, $20 million plus, or, very few people have built like freedom within that because lifestyle wasn't important because what 
they got pulled into doing everything else except their PQO. I only do my PQO. Everyone should know I'm completely incompetent at most things in the world. <laughs> I'm a, I love to write. I love to research. I love to teach. I love to coach. And I love to be a linchpin in our industry. Outside of that, I'm pretty useless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you, you're focused on the right things and you're powering up in each area. I love this. Okay, so those that may be in a, in a spot of struggle, maybe they feel like they know they need to pivot, yeah. uh, but they just don't know where to start. What I can tell from you is that you're very vision driven. I'd imagine that you'd have a vision that you're very clear on and you commit to that vision. So can you break down a process of how you stay in your vision and, and maybe some ways that we can structure our own visions for more success? Yeah. Um, I'll do one, uh, one philosophical and one practical. Love it. Um, you know, philosophically, uh, you know, we all think we have to have this knowledge of our ultimate unending complete purpose. You know, we have to, you know, we're all supposed to figure out our complete meaning of life and it's one answer, one purpose kind of thing. And I think that a lot of people discover that shifts, their purpose shifts, their vision shifts as they age, as they have kids, as they start a business, discover what's more right for them, do more art, find their mastery, whatever it is. Um, so I, I would say, tell people, give yourself grace, first and foremost. If you don't know your purpose or you haven't found that exact vision, that's okay. Some people don't find it till much later. Some people find one, excel at it, shift to another later. And so give yourself grace, always know where you're at and just you know practice that self-awareness of knowing what's meaningful to you. And philosophically, I wrote about this in the Motivation Manifesto. Philosophically, the job is to get up each day, grab the spear of purpose that you do have, where that's a big spear, a long spear, a short spear, a little knife, but your, your spear of purpose, like what is, what would I like to achieve today? What would I like to contribute today, do today, focus my time? And your job is to throw that spear out as far as you can for that day. Cast your purpose as far as you can that day. If you can cast it out a week, great. If you can cast it out three months, a quarter, a year, three years, five, great. But that day, as far as you can cast that spear of purpose, and then march faithfully with discipline to that spear, pick it up, throw it again. So for, I think that philosophically to me, it's like there are days, and I'm sure you have them too, where you're like, I don't know. You know, a lot of these things are shifting. What am I going to do here? I got to adjust to this. I got to adapt to that. New opportunity over here, new opportunity. Like, what should I do? Okay. Have I already cast that spirit of purpose? Do I know what it is for me? Oh, I do. March faithfully. Oh, I don't? Okay. Well, for today, here's what that looks like. It's more like a lawn dart than a spear of purpose, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. You get that thing out as far as you can get that dart or that spear of purpose and you march faithfully. So philosophically, cast your vision, cast your future as far as you can and march faithfully to it, even when it's hard. March faithfully to it, even when the payoff isn't immediate. March faithfully to it, even when you have the doubts and the fears. I, I've always taught this phrase called honor the struggle. Yeah. Uh, honor the struggle. When, when it gets hard, don't bemoan it and hate it because that makes you stop. If you honor it and say, oh, there, 
I should have some honor to this struggle. This struggle is asking something of me. Let me meet it with integrity. Let me meet it with courage. Let me meet it with honesty. Let me meet it with perseverance. Let me honor the fact that this struggle was placed in front of me for whatever reason. You don't have to know it, but have honor that it's there. Have honor in yourself to do the right thing for you and continue on. So that's the philosophical. The practical, man, I need a lot of help in this because I'm a creative. I I love to research and read and and, and I can get in a million different wormholes of conversation. So here's how I practically move myself through. First thing, when I get up in the morning, um, I do my 20-20-20, which is I get up, I stretch for 20 minutes. It's like a simplistic yoga, if you will. Then for 20 minutes, I sit down and I read. Something positive, something, you know, usually for me, self-improvement or spirituality or leadership. Then I spend 20 minutes working my high-performance planner. That's a planner we built that was based on the research of the world's most productive people. It has some morning mindset prompts in it, has a way of organizing your day, of thinking through your life that helps me. Then I walk into this room. You can't see us right off camera here, but I have this big board, and I I call it my battle board. (laughs) I love it. It's my battle board is my quarter. It's kind of brushed out by quarters. So the whole year is in front of me. Okay. Yeah. And in front of me is that whole year. And what I do is I walk in front of it. Usually I got a, some green tea. I stand in front of that battle board and I look at that year, those projects, those plans, those big ideas, those big dreams. And half the time, I don't know how I'm going to do them. Half the time, I don't want to even stand there. I force myself, Joel, I set a timer for five minutes just to stand in front of it. Some days, nothing comes in this dumb Montana head here. Nothing happens. (laughs) Other days, a flash of insight. But I am there and I am looking at it for five minutes every day. And what that's doing is it's unconsciously getting, it's getting the mind to ruminate and to think on what this vision, this plan can be. And some of my greatest ideas will happen there. And some of my, what feels like my most wasted days will happen there. But now the good news is, now it's time to work. I got my body up. I got my mind primed. I've got the day planned and understood. And I've got the big picture in mind. Now let's crush it. Yes, yes, man. That, this is the thing. Because a lot of people say slow progress is better than no progress. <laughs> and and I, I feel like, and I know you could speak into this really well. I feel like this procrastination that comes into play, like think of procrastination, you're already failing if you're procrastinating. But yeah. the thing is procrastination is the effect. It's not the cause. Right. How do we battle procrastination? I'm sure there's people right now in the world that know they need to move. They know that they need to pivot, but they're just procrastinating. How do we get out of this rut? Yeah, procrastination is usually the after effect of doubt, right? And what the problem is, is people think they need to get over the doubt or the fear. And what's happening is they're misunderstanding what emotions are. A lot of people think emotion is meaning. Emotion is telling me to stop. Like people take doubt as a signal to stop. Well, they got one part right. Emotions are signals. Fear is signal. Sadness is signal. Anger is a signal. It's not reality. It's a signal. 
what you feel and emotion at any given time, neuro neurobiological is a signal of something, usually to pay attention to something. But the interpretation of that signal with doubt is where people go wrong. They hear doubt as a signal to stop. Doubt is a signal to learn. Doubt is, the, is grace saying, don't have too much ego. You might not know enough yet. That's a good thing. Doubt says, hey, young man, hey, young woman, learn. And how do you learn? By trial and error. So doubt is saying, young woman, uh, you don't know yet, so take a few steps to learn some more. Not stop. Hey, young man, you, don't, you haven't mastered that yet. Uh, take a few more steps to get some more competency here. And so procrastination is just a misinterpretation of the doubt. And once you start to know, oh, this doubt, totally normal. Doubt isn't supposed to be a way. Doubt is checking your ego to say, gain some skill here. Acquire some knowledge, get in the game, keep going, be aware. And so that's the most important thing is everyone's going to, like everyone here listening, including myself, will procrastinate this year. We'll procrastinate at some point in their lives. And the most important thing is notice you're doing it. How do you notice you're doing it? You do exactly what I just said. You have a routine in which you get your mind in the game of productivity. Even if you got to stand in front of the board in your boxy shorts with your coffee you know <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah i'm supposed to be doing that the one reason a lot of people they're allowed to procrastinate because they never look at their goals if you look at your goals enough you know what a beautiful thing happens joel no one likes when i say this but a very beautiful thing happens if you look at your goals enough guilt now most people say guilt's terrible guilt's a signal guilt's a signal that says you have a higher standard than this young man you treat somebody bad, you feel guilty. It's saying you have a higher standard than to treat somebody bad, right? If I steal something, I feel guilty about it. So I have a higher standard than to take something that's not mine. Well, when you look at goals enough, sometimes you get guilt. I'm not doing them. That's right, because I have a higher standard that I'm a person who moves forward, who cares about the things that I've said I'm going to do. I'm going to do them. I think guilt can be an incredibly profoundly good thing. And that sounds terrible, but again, most people get guilt and they stop. Oh gosh, I, I don't like looking at my goals, Brendan. I feel bad about myself. Oh, you're just taking guilt wrong. You're saying guilt means you're a loser. Guilt is saying you have a high standard. Good for you. Now let's get some stuff done today. Mm, man, I love that. I love that perspective shift. And I notice that you do this often. You have these perspective shifts. You challenge people's worldview and the way that they see things. Yeah. And, and this is really, really, really powerful because it, reprograms our beliefs so i love this and i've seen quite a few of your videos that you put out as well about reprogramming your mind and your time yeah. management as well you've got six books and i think i've read about three of them and every time i walk away <laughs> it just gets me into action man i'm like thank you because sometimes we can assume that it's like okay certain things are foundational we got it but when you go back to it you realize i had to ask myself am i actually applying this consistently in my life i might have applied it from time to time, but have I been doing it consistently? That's that right. Was a big I, that's it. I say it all the time. Common sense is not always common practice. Ooh. And that is why people of potential greatness fail to reach their greatness. Yeah. It's that most people, including you and me, we, we, and everyone listening, we, we, 
We know some things we should be doing, but we don't do them consistently enough. And we're always looking for the bigger, better, fancier thing. And so we get distracted from the foundation. And what happens is we're not building the foundation of the things we know we should do. Like most personal development, most things you and I teach, man, that stuff was taught not a hundred years ago, not a thousand years ago, but 10,000 plus years ago. Don't forget the, the, the hands in Southern France in the cave by the human beings creating art of, of animals. That's 30,000 years ago. Okay. We're not, we're not lacking, you know, human understanding of what's important. Kindness, empathy, compassion, collaboration, building for the future, safeguarding for our families, taking care of ourselves mentally, emotionally, physically. These are not new ideas, but what's important about the work that we do is sometimes you say it and someone goes, that's right. Jeez, Brendan told me to put my goals on the wall. I ain't done that in nine months. Then they're going to put their goal on the wall and look at it every day and find themselves more, more, more motivated. Because no one here listening, no one lost their motivation. Motivation isn't something you lose. It's, also, it's not something you have. You didn't lose your motivation. You lost your focus on what matters to you. Mm. You lost your focus on what matters to you. So for me, I got to put it in front of a wall and stare at it like this with my eyes crossed until it hits me in the dumb head. Everyone's got to find their own way. But you didn't <laughs> lose motivation. You forgot to summon it each day. I always say, Joel, the power plant doesn't have energy. It generates it. Uh, a power plant takes energy from one source and transforms it into a higher utilization that's more effective and transmits it. This is what we must do in the world today. We must take the low energy that's out there culturally, politically, socioeconomically, what we see in the negativity and the vitriol and the partisan, partisan and the tribalism, the, just the awfulness that we all will experience living in the world from, from judgment to contempt to all the vitriol. And our job is to see that energy and transform that energy into a higher utilization. Usually love, usually purpose, usually collaboration and connection, and then transmit that into the world so that we can re-energize the world. And so if you feel like you don't, you don't have motivation, no, you're just not, you're not transforming the energy into that yet. You're not focusing on what really matters to you yet. You're not transmitting it. You're not summoning it. So, and I don't say that so that people feel bad about it, but what's hopeful is I believe that you have that potential. You, you have that within your heart, within your mind, within your capability, within your personal responsibility to shift your energy, to shift your focus, to shift what's important to you again, to shift your habits again, to shift this world again. And when you own that power that you have, when you really own that power that you have, you don't spend hours browsing anymore. You get to it. You know you've been gifted something, a strength, a divine interest or passion, a higher calling, a purpose, or just excitement for something. And now it's about having the guts to pursue that because you were given that. You were given that. I always wonder, Joel, what happens if we show up, at, for those who believe in a, a God or a higher being or some other realm, what if you show up there, whatever that there is for you, what if you show up there and your creator, the universe, God, spirit, whatever, 
has to look at you and say, how faithfully did you tend to the dreams that I sowed in your heart? Mm. I was thinking about that. I feel like I was given a gift that I survived my car accident. So my life became about helping other people realize the value of life to have reverence for it and to really take advantage of their second chance on life when they get it to be more intentional, more loving, more courageous, more purposeful. And I think that's what I'm supposed to do. I don't do it perfect every day. I don't think I'm awesome. I just feel like, you know what? I feel like that was a gift. I'm, I'm supposed to tend to that gift. You know, it's like if somebody gives you a beautiful flower in a pot, you, I hope you're gonna water that once in a while, you know? I think mm. it's important. So for me, that's what those, those ph philosophies I just shared or those practices, they, they not only keep me on my A game, they help me remind myself of what's important and what's beautiful about life. I love this brother, we're going deep. <laughs> Put your snorkel and your goggles on, we're going deep. <laughs> yeah, I love this conversation. Love it, man. Love it. Yeah. I remember you saying something a little while back. You said, would you rather be the flower or the bee? Yeah. And, and it's so simple, but profound. It's like, do you want to be the, the one that goes to the thing? Or do you want to be that person, that leader that people come to? Yes. For your products, your services, your advice, whatever it may be. We have a lot of speakers, coaches, and aspiring authors as well that, are, that tune into this podcast. Now, you've been in the game for more than a decade. Yeah. And I'm sure you would have seen quite a lot. There's so much in the industry has changed. I remember when you could send an email out and people would buy a $2,000 product like by a click, you know? Yes. Now they want like 10 warm-ups to feel like they can trust <laughs> to, to purchase, you know? So what advice would you give to those that are really looking at building out their inspirational business. Maybe they got a, an important message like you had many, many years ago around your overcoming that struggle. Say they have a struggle, they're, they're putting it together now. They've got a website up, they're looking at a, launching a podcast, putting a program out, they're, maybe they're certified, they're stepping into the coaching space. What are some things that you know now for sure as a speaker, coach, best-selling author, that you'd say, don't waste your time on. Here are the main things that have worked really well that's accelerated my career and my impact. Yeah, oh man, that's a tough one. Great question. Um, number one, I think something you were sharing, you love to research theology and I'm a philosophy dork and so we might have this in common. Um, that comes from other parts of learning that really applies here too, which is I don't think there's any spiritual tradition that you can study that wouldn't say that egoism and materialism get in the way. Mm. And so when you're in this industry, be aware of when you're doing things for ego, appearance, likes, followers, just, just, just to get the count up so you feel perceived credibility, um, so that you feel perceived respect, so that you feel perceived popularity. Because listen, well before the internet, there were warnings about letting your ego get in the way. There was plenty of warnings from lots of spiritual texts saying, be careful materialism, that can get in the way. And those do get in the way. So you have to find what is your authentic passion and pursue that and share that and talk about that and do that work and do that work almost exclusively. Don't go chasing, well, that guy does webinars, so I guess I have to do webinars, 
right? I, that guy does that thing, so I have to do that thing. That's, that's completely inaccurate. I've made seven figures in every modality in the thought leader space. I made seven figures from you know, a book deal. I made seven figures from my online courses. I made seven figures on live cast, just one. I've made seven figures, you know, 29 times I've done a seven figure online launch in 10 days or less. 29 times, like I've been around the block, as you said. Yeah. But all the modalities work. We make seven figures from our podcast and our Instagram. Okay, it doesn't matter. Don't get so stuck on what the modality is because those will shift and change. Those will shift and change. We, you know, I were talking about the algorithm before, right? So it's what is your passion? What is authentic to you? And keep going deep and mastering that, figuring that out and sharing the joy and the love on that thing that you geek out on. Like let your, let your dork fly, let your geek fly and be like, hey guys, I love this. And just keep talking about it wherever you wanna choose. Just choose one or two. Don't feel like you have to do everything. Everyone here listening, you can do your six or seven figure first business in one modality. It doesn't have to be you do all of them. Lots of people come in, Joel, the mistake they make, I'm gonna write a book, I'm gonna do a podcast, I'm doing an online course, I'm doing a webinar series, I'm doing a seven day live launch, I'm gonna do uh, you know, a Facebook group, uh, LinkedIn, uh, Medium, uh, TikTok, new channel, and uh, oh yeah, I'm gonna do all those this month. Like what? Why? That's too much, pick two or three, get really great at them. Sharing your passion, I think that's number one. Uh, number two, you have to learn how to sell. This was my biggest sticking point. Um, you know, like I'm a kid from Montana, so selling, I like, wasn't in my, I didn't get that yet. Because um, to me, selling, I had my ego tied up into it. Well, I don't like salespeople, you know, and I had a preconception about what that meant. And it wasn't until I really discovered selling is basically training people on the value of what you have and what's possible for them. Mm. I'm a trainer. If you say, Brendan, selling is training, I'm like, I'm up. Oh, you mean, you mean a sales video is a training video? Oh, I just gotta train them about the future. I gotta train them about what I have, my system and tools. I gotta train them about how it's gonna work for them. Oh, that's so, that, I gotta train them why the value is better here versus, oh, that's not scary to me. And then you just learn, uh, and I'll give it for everyone here who, who needs it. You learn the sales outline and you learn to follow that sales outline. It is, you always have to describe the possibility, describe the problem, describe expert story positioning, who you are, what you've been through, how you got there, how you figured out the answer. What was the search you went on to figure out what the answer is? Then what is the solution? What was the answer you found out? What were the results that it got? Then what is the thing exactly? Tell me about all the features and all the benefits of the thing. Great. Then please tell me, like, when I, why is this a good deal today? Price juxtaposition. Then please share me, wh what do I get? What else do I get? And, and please answer my objections and make sure that you also tell me why I gotta do it today. Those 10 points I just went over off the top of my head, because I've had to do it so many times, that's every sale ever that was good. And so if you now know what your passion and interests are, you narrowly focus, you create an offer about something you want to teach, sell, give, deliver, serve, and you follow that outline. Those are the biggest things. Everything else is window dressing or getting to know your customer or creating a tribe. 
But without those things, you can't have a business. Wow. I hope you're taking note. If you're listening to this right now, <laughs> start a fire hydrant right right on you. <laughs> <laughs> you did. You just gave away all your your blueprint secrets. It's done. We're done. <laughs> I love that, man. You know what's interesting? The total product blueprint that I bought. I think it was seven. To, it was actually probably about eight years ago. Uh, I remember certain points that you've shared here still apply today, and that's what I love about what you teach. Is very much the hardcore principles that it's not like a trendy thing. It's like, Hey, this actually works. Grab this, utilize it, build it as your foundation and launch yourself from it. And I think that a lot of people are trying to go for the trends and the hacks and the algorithm tricks. It's a, it's like a short term win. You know, you get this big spike. Oh, that works for a while, but then it drops off, but your foundations aren't strong. Yeah. And your structures aren't right. You know? So I love this, man. I love that you teach the hardcore principles and obviously you're living proof that this works and the consistency you put into it is just amazing. Now, a lot of people would listen to this and be like, wow, Brendan's, you know, crushing. He's been doing this for a long time. Of course, you know, his mindset's strong. I would love for you to go to a, a vulnerable space before we, before we end, end the call here. When was the last time you cried or felt like you had this profound, overwhelming experience? Uh, yesterday. 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 Yeah. Yesterday would have been my dad's 81st birthday, but uh, we lost him to leukemia in 2009. And uh, uh, so in 2009, my dad woke up and it was Mother's Day when he woke up. He felt a pain in his side. It got worse throughout the day. They went to the hospital. You know, that week he was playing racquetball and, and bowling and golfing with his friend. He was just very active. And um, they ran some tests and they gave him seven days to live out of nowhere. He had acute myeloid leukemia. Um, for those who know leukemia, it was kind of two, two kinds. AML is the, the one you don't want. That's the one that kind of takes everybody. Um, and it's fast because your body starts kind of creating bad blood cells that block up your system and organs and shut you down. And um, so it would have been 81. And uh, I did a really fortunate thing when he got sick that year. Um, you know, they gave him seven days. He made it 59, um, you know, because dad was a, a military guy who was in the Marine Corps for 20 years, did three tours in Vietnam. He, he really struggled and had a really difficult life. So he fought through leukemia. And uh, one thing I did, though, is I recorded. Uh, I called him. I, I called him up. Um, I was traveling, doing one of my seminars. I called him up and I had uh, gotten an indication that the second um, treatment of chemo for him didn't work. And we're all, I I just didn't know, am I going to get to him? And I was just worried. So I wrote down all these questions about life, like 30 some questions about life. I just want to ask him about it because I realized I, I grew up. I don't know about you, but I grew up, there weren't, we didn't have video cameras in my house growing up. You know, we didn't, we weren't like technological like that. I had some pictures, but I had no recordings of my dad. So I called him one evening at one of my events after an event, and I just interviewed him for two some hours and just asked him about life, about, you know, how he grew up and his mom and his dad and his siblings and what he learned in high school and 
what he learned when he went to the war, what he learned in the military, what he learned afterwards, you know, what he wanted each of us kids to know about ourselves and about our future, what, what he, messages he wanted to share. And, um, you know, the gist of dad's message was always, he was, he was kind of was saying these things about life, though he never gave us like a card on it. Uh, but, you know, he basically was all saying, be yourself, be, your, uh, be yourself, be honest, do your best, take care of your family, treat people with respect, be a good citizen, follow your dreams. And this is always saying stuff like that. And so yesterday would have been 81 and every, all of his birthdays, you know, the time of his passing each year, Father's Day each year, it's always just, you know, I sit there and I reflect and I just think about little scenes, try to call to forth these little memories listen to that audio and um i just i lose it you know it's just family's everything and when you lose somebody you know uh you know it thinking about them brings a lot of emotion yeah yeah dude what an amazing man i love that and you know if you're listening right now take heed you know life is short we don't know when it, when we're going, you know, and I love that idea of interviewing your dad. I think everyone should interview their parents. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, everyone can Google this somewhere. It's, it's one of my blog posts. You can just type in Brendan Richard life interview questions and there's no opt-in for it or anything like that. It's literally just on the web. Somebody, I, I put it up long story short, I told the story once, um, well, as far as I know, you know, over a million people have downloaded that life interview guide. It's literally the 30 questions um, that you could ask your parents, your family. I always tell people, if you have someone who you love in your life and you don't have recording of them yet, you've never interviewed them yet, and they're still here, your parent, caregiver, grandfather, grandmother, something like that, interview them. And the, the questions, the 30 questions there, just very much our life interview questions. A million people have downloaded that. I don't, you know, we get... Every week, someone says, I interviewed my aunt or I interviewed you know, something like that. So I think that's a good thing that came out of something that was really painful. Oh, man, I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, make sure you check it out, guys, if you listen to this right now. Brennan, uh, what have you got going on right now that you'd love to share with the Addicted to Success audience? Oh, gosh, so much. Um, you know, this, this, is a, this is a big season. I've been really helping people return to their high-performance habits. Um, so if you haven't gotten the book, High Performance Habits, grab it. Um, if you want it free, go to my podcast, The Brendan Show. We uploaded the entire audiobook. I think it's season four. Don't quote me. I think it's season four. You can listen to the entire audiobook of High Performance Habits for free on The Brendan Show podcast. You got to scroll all the way back to season four. Um, but we posted it there. I just think people need to get back on their habits right now. They, they need to take back control of their life. You know, I talked about that. They need to like reconnect with what their real power is and what your real power in your life is, is your habits. That's the one thing, your habits of mind, your habits of body, your habits of daily focus, your habits of how you interact with other people. That is something you can control despite the chaos. And when there's uncertainty, that is the time you've got to really reconnect with your habits and practice the habits that matter the most. And what we found out from high performance habits is 
there's six habits that what do you call performance habits that matter more to your long-term success than a hundred other performance variables. And so if you're going to give anything discipline and focus, make it those specific six habits and that will really help you during this year. Love it. Love it so much. Brennan, this has been an amazing interview, man. I'm so happy that we finally connected. We're going back and forth for, for a while, a few years there, and, and finally we're here. So thank you so much for dropping your wisdom on this show. For my, I want to give you a shout out, Joel, of just being consistent, adding value. Um, I appreciate you've reached out a few times and it just gave me time <laughs> to, to, to make all this happen. And um, for just you know, living each day, to how can we bring some goodness to the world? My request of everybody, more than listen to my podcast or get the book, is double down on your goodness right now. Whatever you do that's good in the world, whether it's something like Joel and I do or it's something completely different, whatever you do that's good in the world, that's just being a, a good teacher, a good parent, a good neighbor, whatever you do that is good in the world, double down on it right now. The world needs that. Mm. absolutely absolutely so brennan we end every podcast interview with this last question and the question is if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world what would that last 30 seconds sound like Ooh. it would be at the end of your life when you're faced with it you're going to ask questions to evaluate whether or not you were happy with the way you lived your life so living on purpose means Find out and really go within what questions do you think you'll ask at the end of your life and then wake up each day to live the answers that you'll be happy with at the end. And to remember that every day is a second chance and every day is a second chance means you get to take a new breath. It means you get to deal with life differently. It means that you get to choose a different mindset or a different attitude or a different set of actions. And that if every day is a second chance, this next time be more intentional be more loving and be more courageous to make a difference and you will.